take out your Bibles and open uh, with me to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I want to talk today in that verse, really the word that is Jesus' name, mighty God, mighty God. How many of you have a particular family tradition that you do at Christmas? Does any of you have like, there is one thing that you always do, it's a family, none of you have a family tradition? All right, just a couple of us. Well, I had learned, you know, Michelle and I, when we had gotten married, I had not yet had a Christmas with her family, Italian family. Now, I grew up that Christmas was either turkey or some type of ham. Her family, it's all Italian food. So I remember going over on Christmas for Christmas dinner, and part of their tradition was ravioli, sausage, and pepperoni. And I remember the very first time walking in and you smell Italian food and you wonder, where's the turkey? Where, where's the ham? And they've always done ravioli. And I would ask, so is that like a, an Italian tradition? No, it's just something we do. Raviolis for Christmas. So it's so ingrained in both of my children that whenever I say, hey, how about this Christmas? What if we just do a turkey? They all turn on me. Like... No, you can't break tradition. You're breaking tradition. Even this year, you know, we, we go to, a, um, it's a Christian guy that we know that does a Christmas tree lot. And so we always go and he always gives us uh, a great, great deal. And so we've done Christmas trees for the last, you know, several years. So I was going to try to find, you know, and you hate to use the word because they use the fake one. You try to find one. And Matt said, Dad, it's my last Christmas at home. You've got to get a real tree. That's like, you know, stab to the heart, right? Oh, okay, yeah. Get the real tree. Well, our first year that we got the real tree, we were living in Anaheim. And I don't know what women's event was about to take place any moment at our house, but our Christmas tree, Michelle decorates with all of the keepsakes of the kids. So she'll have, like, you know, kids' first Christmas, you know, all those first, those old blast type of balls. And then she's got other things on the tree. Well, let's say the event was starting at 7. At like 6.55 p.m., I went to adjust the new tree because I wasn't used to having a tree, and I, I knocked it completely over in our front room. And every ornament went scattered, and the one I heard, it was like baby's first Christmas, like broke. And I remember my wife's face when she saw the tree down. Tree's down, I'm there, water's everywhere. The ornament's broken, and she just, she froze. Like she couldn't, and then you hear the doorbell, ding dong. Here's 30 ladies that are coming in our house, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to scatter to get this tree built up. Well, the other night, we were missing a dog, and I saw this rear end sticking out of our tree, and I saw our tree shaking, and I thought, you know, I'm going to just let it go. We'll just blame it on the dog, right? The dog, no, I grabbed that dog and pulled it on out. Because there's those keepsake, there's tradition uh, that's on there that you keep year after year. The funny one is we have a slipper from when the kids were little that I think the dog got. The, I didn't tell Michelle, but I think the dog got the other day, but we rescued it uh, in time. And if you have a little animal, right, you protect them, right? You look out because they can get easily in trouble as well. So Isaiah 9, 6 says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name 
will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In fact, let, let's say it's on the screen. Let's read this again all together. Ready? Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When Isaiah prophesies this, in fact, if you study a little bit, um, Assyria is what we would call a superpower at the time that really is attacking the children of Israel. It's taking people as slaves. And so even when Isaiah prophesies about a child, a Messiah, to the ears, there's that hope that God, as that God has not forgotten them, but many times they think God has forgotten. What they didn't know was it's really a save the date that's going to happen in 700 years. Wouldn't it be odd if somebody sent you a card and it was save the date for their wedding and it was going to be in 10 years? Wouldn't that be weird? Wouldn't it be like, you know, I'm not even going to think about it for a year. Five years would be weird, wouldn't it? Three years, okay, maybe because of some venue or preparation, but nobody would say, hey, I'm going to give you a prize. It's going to happen in 700 years. Make sure to pass it on down. 700 years, but God always has his time and his purpose and his reasoning that this child is going to come. You know, when we read that, we remember this, that his word always comes to pass, as we read a little bit earlier in Isaiah 55. It does not return to itself void. There will be a child, but a child with all of these names? Now, I've heard of people having two middle names, two last names, uh, but usually you don't think, so, oh, can you introduce me to your son? Oh, yeah, his name is Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of priests, Christ. Right? You would think, this is an odd family, right? <laughs> he has these names. These names aren't just to be empty. These were names of his power. So Luke chapter 1, verse 32 and 33, Luke writes this. In fact, this is one of the, what the angel said, talking about Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So when we read that first one, we looked at last week, the wonderful counselor, wonderful meaning to wonder. It's extraordinary. It's too wonderful for words, he is. Counselor, like we would naturally think, to advise, to consult, to guide, to devise a plan. You know, Jeremiah says that God has purposes and plans for our life. He is that wonderful counselor. But today we want to look at the mighty God. And I always think this about Mary and Joseph when they have this baby. Is they probably wondered, when is he going to do something that we'll know? When is he going to do something? You know, if this was the child that you were given, you'd probably watch every moment. 
when are we going to know? When are we going to know? And here's what we know. It wasn't until he was 12 that he disappeared for three days. And when they finally found him, he said, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? He was in the synagogue. He's asking questions. He's listening. And, uh, but there had been no miracles. There had been nothing until he turned 30. But all along, I always wonder, when will we know? Right? What will he do? Even 30 years would seem long. This child, though, is different. In fact, when we read Wonderful Counselor, it's really letting us know that Jesus is our supernatural source of wisdom. And that's great news because we all need guidance and direction. He's the mighty God, or it says to us that Jesus will forever and ever be divinely strong and powerful. He's the everlasting father or Jesus to us. Here's what we're going to have. Somebody that's going to look out after us and care for us forever. He's our father. And he's the prince of peace. Jesus will bring peace upon us. The peace that we need now. The peace that we might need in a situation. And it's going to be the peace of God that comes upon us. All of these different names. But I want to look today at the mighty God. In fact, one of the Hebrew uh, terms for mighty is like you would think, strong, brave. Guys, don't you like it when somebody says, you know, you're really brave. Don't you like that? Strong. Don't you like it when they say you're strong? Oh, you lifted that up, you needed help. You're not very strong. No, you like it when you lift something up and somebody says, oh, you're still strong. Strong, brave, champion. A hero, mighty. God, the one true Jehovah, the only God. So he's that strong and mighty. It's interesting when Solomon would look upon the, uh, the earth and he would get wisdom out of things. In fact, he says this in Proverbs 30, 30 that gives us an idea of just strength. It says, a lion which is mighty among the beasts does not turn away from any. Now, I don't know about you, if I heard that outside of my house tonight there was a big old lion, I wouldn't go out to pet him. Would you? You'd stay indoors. You'd try to find, I don't even know who you'd call. In fact, Solomon says, this is an example of a mighty animal, right? Powerful animal. He doesn't turn away from any. Well, then we read Psalm chapter 24, verse 8, that says, who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Isn't that good? Let's read this together. Ready? Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. So when we read and translate this Hebrew word, which means champion or hero, a champion is the one who is left standing at the end of a battle or a conflict. A champion is the one that stands when all other people have fallen. The champion stands. A hero is the one that because of what they did, they receive great respect of the people that they're serving. Because why? Because of the victory. So here's what we say. Jesus is the mighty God 
Jesus is the champion. Jesus is the hero. It's interesting when we take just the word mighty God. In fact, uh, it's not on the screen, but I want to read this verse before I go on. Psalm 103, verse 7. And it says this. He made his ways known to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. Here's what it means. The children of Israel saw what God did, but Moses understood the ways of God. That's what we're looking to do. We're, we're uh, learning to understand his ways, not just witness the acts, understand his heart. But Moses understood his ways. The children of Israel understood his acts. So the mighty God at the Red Sea, the Red Sea didn't control the mighty God. The mighty God did what to the Red Sea? He parted the Red Sea. Giants didn't scare the mighty God. It was a boy that knew he had God on his side that took on the giants. It was Joshua when he came face to face and saw the giants of the land. He wasn't concerned about the size of the giants. He knew that the one that told him to go into the land was the mighty God. And he was ready to take it at that time. The fiery furnace couldn't swallow up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because the mighty God showed up in the midst of the fiery furnace. Daniel thrown into the hungry lion's den. It doesn't say that Daniel screamed like a little girl, does it? All the way down. No, he trusted in who? The mighty God. In fact, even when Daniel was pulled out and they threw in those other soldiers, those guys were like, in fact, I believe the Bible says they were eaten up and trampled and their bones broken before they even hit the ground. That's how hungry those lions were. There was a mandate in the book of Acts to stop preaching. Did they stop? They didn't stop because they're following after Jesus, the mighty God. When armies or prisons or torture chambers tried to stop the preaching of the gospel or the witness being a witness out there, it didn't stop it at all. It cannot stop the mighty God. In fact, I love what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, and he says these words, For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. Listen to the last part. But the word of God cannot be chained. You might chain me down, tie me up, put me in a hole, and I can't do physically the things I can do, but I can write and send it out because God's word is not chained. You know, I really believe this is a theme of the Bible. That in every odd situation that people in the Bible encountered, they had to trust in a mighty God. God is the God of history that we read about in the Bible. He's at work when people don't see what he's doing. They may not understand what he's doing, but he's at work. In fact, we could say he is the champion of history. He is the mighty God. In fact, let me say it a little bit different. He is the mighty God. Jesus' name, mighty God. Jesus, as a baby at about two years of age, when Herod commanded that all from two years old and under were to be killed, Jesus escaped. At the temptation of Jesus, when he didn't eat for 40 days or 40 nights, when the devil was tempting him to throw himself 
off of the high tower, Jesus overcame the devil and all of the temptations. His first sermon, Jesus' first sermon in Luke chapter 4, all he does is read Isaiah 61. They become so upset that they grab him and they're, you know what they're going to do? They're going to throw him off a cliff after church. Can you imagine that? Pastor, that was the worst sermon I ever heard. You're going to die today. You're going to go to your car and you're dead. Right? Isn't that crazy? You know what the Bible says? He turned around and walked right in the midst of them. Every time there was, I like to call it, a trick, a trap, or something that the enemy wanted to do to trip him up, Jesus was the mighty God. Death couldn't hold him down. A grave couldn't keep him locked away. He rose again. He did and he will overcome any and all enemies that he will face. But he wants to pass that power onto us. He's mighty over evil. He came into that. Over all evil. And I crack up when we read uh, the book of Genesis. And at the end of, of chapter uh, one, and God looked at everything and he said, it's good. Now, you know what good is? Good is like there's two pieces of bread left and I think a little bit of extra lunch meat and no cheese. And you eat the sandwich because you need something to eat. Well, how about it? It's good. I don't think of his creation as it's good. You ever been to Hawaii? You don't go to Hawaii and say, yeah, it's, it's good. No, you look at the water and what do you do? Your jaw drops. You think of rivers and places maybe that you've gone, you see the creation of God. We don't use the word, it's, it's good. We use the word like awesome. There's, there's no words that can describe it. So at the end of creation, God said it was good. It's amazing that with the evil in the world, that he'd still send his son, Jesus. Born into an evil world, but evil couldn't corrupt him. He came into the world pure and he remained pure. There was never any deceit. He never had a wicked thought. He had no evil intentions. He had no evil actions. He even tore down the money chambers and whipped out the animals or however he did it. The Bible says he didn't even sin. I don't know how you, you know, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you don't slip a word in, right, that you shouldn't say. He overcame evil with his righteous life. The mighty God offers this to us when we come to him. But we have to do it by faith and to trust him. You know, last week we looked at one of the, the words that God spoke when Jesus was baptized. And he ended with these words, listen to him listen to him that wasn't just for the disciples that was written down so that we can say that over to over i need to listen to him you know uh, probably when i was young and hopefully uh you've never done this and you want to teach your kids and grandkids never to do this i think we were doing some type of bonfire and we didn't have oh no no we were doing uh getting the barbecue ready and we were out of lighter fluid and so we figured we could get a little bit of gas out of the gas can that we use for the lawnmower. And so, you know, you dump a little bit on and you throw a match. And what happens with gasoline? Boom, right? 
and you stand back, you know, when you're a little kid, you go, boy, that was cool, you know. But you know what mom thinks, right? Boy, you know, you're grounded for forever, you know, never allowed to barbecue ever, ever again. It's interesting how that can be so dangerous in the wrong hands. But you put it in your vehicle, and it can power that car wherever it needs to go, and then many times as fast as it needs to go. So his mighty power and his ways is what we have to come to to listen to him. You know, we read this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So let me stop by there saying Jesus didn't keep the power and the mighty God to himself. He wanted to make sure that those that believed had within them the same mighty power. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. You know what I always remember when I read that? It's not a knockoff. You know what a knockoff is? A knockoff is when my son comes home a couple years ago and wants a Gucci belt. Where did that come from? Some mid-school had a Gucci belt. I look up online how much a Gucci belt costs, and I let him know, you're not getting a Gucci belt. <laughs> now, we do have to go down to L.A. If you want to tag along and go, we could probably find you a Gucci belt. Oh, really? Yeah, come on down. The minute he sees it, he knows that's not a Gucci belt. Yeah, it is GG3 or whatever, you know, whatever's on it. Dad, that's not, it's a Gucci belt, right? Nobody's going to, they're going to know, Dad. Right, we'll go see this other guy. You know, you get those guys going, what are you looking for? You know, Gucci belt. I got Gucci belts. This right here, Gucci belt. No, it's not a Gucci, fake Gucci belt. Knockoff. You know what I'm talking about, right? The knock, the knockoffs. What God did not fill the believer with was a knockoff. Some type of angel being. He filled us with his Holy Spirit, right? In fact, that's what uh, Acts, Luke is the one that's writing this. You shall receive power, say the word power. Whoa, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He didn't intend us just to be good witnesses, right? Really good. I'm really good at the sales pitch. That's not what he intended. It was that spirit-empowered life because when we go back and we look at all of the evil and deceit and things, we're all tempted. We've all had things thrown at us. We've all stumbled and fallen and been embarrassed. But many times we forget that on the very inside of us as the believer is that power of the Holy Spirit that I think we haven't listened to. I noticed somebody the other day had an uh, in and out cup. And if you've ever gone to in and out on everything, they've got scriptures. The, well, the scripture was Isaiah 9, 6. I had not seen, and I don't know which one that's on, the verse we've been reading. So I read a little article. In fact, their CEO now is Lindsay Snyder. Lindsay's dad died when she was a teenager. And it said that she's gone through, and this is in her own words, three failed marriages. But she said, the deep need that was in my heart was only fulfilled. And she doesn't say, as a CEO of In-N-Out, when Jesus came into my life. 
And I wanted to make sure to carry on that legacy that we have scriptures because what changed her life was the very word of God. Here's somebody that's out, that's doing a business, that wants to make sure that what changed her life is on the paper products. Well, you know what we read? His word does not return to itself void or empty. We can serve Jesus in the most difficult times because of his power in the inside of us. We can live for him in difficult times because of his power. And we can overcome situations that we face because of his power. His power is on the inside of us by his Holy Spirit. Let me read Acts 1-8 again. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. Bow your heads if you would today. Let me read Isaiah 9, 6. And when you're not looking around, would you allow it just to be something that you hear today in your spirit? For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, I don't know what's going on in your life today, but the Mighty God does. And these aren't just stories that we read for a little bit of encouragement. These are stories that we listen to him. Can I encourage you today to invite in the mighty God into your situation? Look at your situation with the eyes how God looks at it. He never looks at it hopeless or empty. Get his perspective. He made his ways known to Moses. Moses knew his heart. Moses trusted and knew what he would do. The children of Israel just saw the acts. So Lord, I pray today that we just don't read the acts, see the acts taking place around us, but we this Christmas experience the mighty God in our life in situations that we're facing that we call on your name. Father, that you deposit in us wisdom and what to do and how to pray. That we seek you with all of our heart and that we listen to you. We bless you today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Stand with me if you would. We're going to close with this song.